Broadcasting live from the Aria Resorts in Las Vegas for the DBA International Conference, it's Capital Club Radio. Now here's your host, Michael Flock. Good afternoon, my, my friends and fellow listeners uh, to the Capital Club Radio program live from Vegas today. We are absolutely delighted and excited to have with us uh, Trish Baxter. Trish is the, the new incoming president for the Debt Buyers Association, and uh, we're pleased to have here this, her here this afternoon. She's also the compliance officer for Recovery Management Systems Corporation, bankruptcy debt purchaser and servicer. And she also represents clients in the ARM industry regarding regulatory compliance and litigation matters. Um, I am per- personally pleased that Trish is here because I got to know her during a uh, really challenging period of, of time in her career. And it was, I don't, what was it, Trish, six, seven years ago? Late 2010, early 2011. Yes. Yeah, okay. So five to six. Five to six years ago, you were general counselor for Collins uh, financial. That's right. And I uh, was doing some uh, some uh, business development, and we were exploring some financing opportunities. And I walked into a situation where I had seen it before in other companies where the private equity fund was making some changes, mm-hmm. uh, leadership changes. And uh, Walt Collins was the founder, but he had pretty much retired. He was on the board, though, and uh, providing guidance as a board member. But the, the CEO was uh, transitioning out, and there was, you know, con- contention between the owners, the management team, the board. And Trish Baxter, I, I just watched you so um, deptly, deptly uh, managing these very intense and competing uh, constituencies, and, and you, you handled it with such um stability and coolness I'll, I'll just never forget it and I, I I envy your ability to manage through that um what were some of your lessons learned from that experience and how um have you kind of maybe leveraged some of that in, in your current role now uh, as DBA president yes those were certainly challenging times for that company and just to uh, frame it up a little bit for your audience the company had been founded by Walt Collins about uh, 15 years prior to 2006-2007 timeframe. And Walt had um, been attracting capital into uh, the company, like many other companies in the industry. Um, it was a time of active selling and buying and profitability for the companies in our industry. And so a private equity firm came in and bought out the majority interest and brought in um, their uh, representatives to hold the majority of seats on the board. Um, but they left, uh, largely left management in place to manage the day-to-day operations. And I served as general counsel for the company. And throughout the next three to four-year period, um, the company continued to progress nicely. Um, however, throughout that time, of course, there was the mortgage crisis and the onslaught of the uh, recession. And in uh, late 2009, early 2010, the the company, just because of covenants under its lender agreements and and other factors, wasn't able to compete with the pricing in the industry as it was just continuing to increase. And so, um, you know, at that time, we had lenders, we had investors, we had the private equity firm, we had senior secured lenders and junior secured lenders. And of course, we had the management team and the staff. And I found myself having to balance all of these competing Mm -hmm. interests. And during that time, of course, there were very 
strained communications between those mm-hmm. various groups. And I found myself needing to be able to keep those communication lines open. Mm-hmm. And that meant that no matter what, no matter how anybody behaved or acted in the situation, to make sure that you afford every individual the dignity of listening to them mm-hmm. and giving as much information as you could, and providing that really effective a channel of a communicator between the various groups. Mm-hmm. And that was absolutely necessary. And, you know, eventually the private equity firm decided that they weren't able to continue to support their interest and the senior lender moved for receivership. And at that time, the board members resigned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in charge of day-to-day operations of the company with absolutely no ability to have any direction from any board member because right. there was no board member. Uh-huh. And I would say that, you know, my um, lessons learned would be remember all of the different competing interests, respect them, understand that behind them, for the most part, there are people, there are individuals, and keep the communication lines open so that your communications are cordial and respectful and everybody understands that. Um, To this day, I maintain contact with all the different players and yep. I'm pleased to do that because you never know what your future is going to hold and why you may run into those individuals again. Well, you know, what's really interesting, Trish, is that you're a lawyer by training. And so I think most people would think, well, she must be very technical, very formal, very disciplined, which I believe you are. But at the same time, I think what you're saying in this experience was it was your uh, kind of your interpersonal uh, relationships, the emphasis on the individual, respecting the rights of the individual in this situation, which uh, enabled you to steer the company uh, through some very difficult times. And um, I'm I'm fast forwarding now to um, the world of the Debt Buyers Association, and you're coming in you know, at the cusp of the uh, the 20th anniversary, I think, which is next year. And I mean, my gosh, this this industry is going through such turbulence right now. I can't think of a, a better person to be at the helm than Trish Baxter because of your ability to to manage competing interests like this. I think it's wonderful. Can you comment a little bit about what you plan to do going forward with DBA and how you will learn, again, your experiences from the past, working with other debt buyers, and and also, of course, with uh, the recovery management systems company where you're doing lots of compliance work. How how are all these experiences and skills and ex- going to help you then guide DBA in this industry in the year ahead? As an industry leader, we, we need to continue to communicate. I mean, back to that same big word. And, and it's making sure that we continue to have a seat at the table with our regulators. Um, to that end, we have established a very strong relationship with each of the federal regulators in our industry. And we have a strong advocacy program led by consultant groups mm-hmm. that we have, as well as our committee structure. And so we're very confident that we'll continue to have that seat at the table. We are looking for forward to uh, rulemaking for mm-hmm. the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and believe that we will be a strong advocate in making sure that our ind- industry members' interests are represented. Um, and more recently, we participated um, with the FTC in several of their debt collection dialogue programs. And that was very important. Uh-huh. Um, they held three of those. The first was held 
um, in the middle of last year, and then they had one in the uh, fall in Dallas, and then towards the end of the year in Atlanta. Right. And the regulators responded to feedback, and the first program they held was largely participated uh, participated in by consumer groups, and they felt that the industry's voice wasn't heard. Okay. And so they made a, an effort in the second and third debt collection dialogue programs to make sure that the industry members were not only well represented, mm-hmm. but that our message was there. Mm-hmm. And they added another regulator. Mm-hmm. They added someone from the OCC. We thought that was extremely important because I think that our message has always been we need to start looking at the entire consumer credit life cycle and mm-hmm. start with the regulators that regulate the banking and lending institutions. Okay. And so um, we believe we'll continue on that advocacy effort. Mm-hmm. And I hope to continue what I said is really strong communications externally and internally within our community. Right. I got it. So again, it's respect for the individual and also these individual constituencies that you're talking about, the debt buyers, the consumers, the regulators, um, uh, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Um, but communications is, is so, so hard in this world where also, um, not just competing interests, but there's a technical aspect to the challenges that we're facing. And I'm getting now toward uh, on the whole issue of compliance. And this is one of your big areas of expertise. Um, can you kind of give our listeners your outlook on how compliance is shaping up and, and what the outlook is for next year? And, I, you know, I personally am so concerned that, you know, uh, on the one hand, there certainly have been some bad players in the industry, like all industries. And certainly there has been a lot of good that I think has come out from some of the new regulations over the last few years. But on the other hand, in America, sometimes we go from one extreme to another and now you know, there are certainly fears out there that actually the consumers, you know, may be losing in the long run from some of these regulations. Um, but can you give us your perspective then on, on the future of compliance, the good and the bad and the ugly, and, you know, how is that going to affect, you know, companies, you know, in the debt buying association this year? Yes. And, and I've had experiences as counsel for both large and, and small debt mine companies. And, and so I think I have a broad range of experience to understand what their needs are and what their issues are. Um, first of all, I think that the conversation that we have been having is understanding that overregulation mm-hmm. means not managing the risk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's appropriate for our member companies to know that they do have power in that area. They have the ability to start that negotiation with their clients, with the debt selling clients, with the regulators. To know that depending on their operations, depending on um, the activities they engage in, they may not have the levels of risks that some other companies in our industry Mm -hmm. have. And they need to be able to show that they have appropriate risk controls. We are getting to have that deeper dialogue now. I am seeing it with the state regulators, with the federal regulators, and companies in our space are able to adequately demonstrate that they have compliance controls in place while not necessarily expanding their budget for Mm -hmm. the cost Mm -hmm. of the compliance. And Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. I think initially, as regulation comes in, the first reaction from most companies is, it's going to cost us more. It's Mm -hmm. going to cost too much in order to be able to participate in the market. Well, exactly. And so many members of DBA are small companies or middle market companies. And these costs are extraordinary in some cases. So what's your recommendation? You know, my recommendation is there is to really 
make those decisions. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of companies that have looked at the compliance costs mm-hmm. and, and the things that they need to be looking at are not just mm-hmm. the direct out of pockets for either maintaining licensing in a state mm-hmm. or being able to operate and um, have a collection litigation strategy in a state, but also to consider those unexpected costs mm-hmm. like consumer litigation activity. Mm-hmm. Um, because you need to understand that those things vary depending on different regions in the country and different states. And there's certainly expertise out there to guide you through understanding what that compliance risk would be. Mm-hmm. And so make smart decisions about whether to participate in the market in those areas so that you're not extending yourself and setting up operations in a business area where you're not able to meet the compliance expectations. There are some areas where, like I said, depending on the compliance requirement, they're negotiable. Um, mm-hmm. There may be a standard that's been established, but there are opportunities for you to tailor that depending mm-hmm. on exactly what your compliance risk is. Mm-hmm. And have, have the conversations first before you give up. Mm-hmm. I encourage our members to continue to try and to reach out to other members who have more experience in this area to mm-hmm. see what they've done. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there's ways and lessons learned that you can pull from them and apply to your own operations. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have made that message very clear in discussing with the federal regulators the impact of unintended adverse consequences on the market. Not only barriers to entry, but also constraints in the market that they've created because of far-reaching regulation. Yeah, yeah. Now, a couple years ago, DBA launched its own self-regulation program. I think it was in 2013. Uh, Okay, now what's going on, what, two to three years? Is this program still relevant? Or, you know, does DBA have to think of something, you know, bigger and better to augment that? It is absolutely relevant and even more so, and it has evolved. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not the original certification program that started in 2013. It has evolved because we've uh, actively incorporated participation from various member groups, including consumer groups and regulators uh, and issuers. And since the initial launch of the program, we've had uh, various... um, developments, including expanding the program. So in addition to debt buyers becoming certified, we also have programs for collections agencies, as well as collections law firms. And the board has uh, been considering um, expanding the program to other vendor members who have types of activities that may involve consumer contact and certainly are vendors that are Mm -hmm. regulators and sellers expect us to be Uh, managing and have an oversight over. So we have other vendors in our membership that may be getting certified as we look to maybe expand the program. And we've improved the program to respond to the needs that have been um, addressed from the regulators, from the issuers themselves, and the consumer groups. Okay, so you said collection agencies now, you're saying, will have their own certification program as sort of an offshoot of this? At DBA? There are core standards that are applicable to all companies that okay. are members that are certified. Uh-huh. And then there are separate sta- set of standards that apply just to agencies and a, and a separate set that apply to law firms and a separate set that apply okay. to debt buyers. Wow. And that program has been in existence since last year. Okay. That's exciting. So uh, do you have to work with ACA, the American Collectors Association, to... Um, to uh, implement this collector, uh, the collection agency certification? We do uh, accept in the ACA's courses as uh-huh. approved credits uh-huh. towards the certification, but it's not a program where a member would have to uh, work with 
okay. the uh, ACA, and okay. they, they have a separate certification program with a different focus. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of commonality, so okay. members may be able to have opportunities for using education programs that they attend at our conference okay. and apply for certification um, with both uh, associations. Okay. 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 Um, well, that's uh, that's uh, that's wonderful. What what other associations are you working with uh, besides ACA? I, I know that uh, there's a there's a group here with uh, NABD um, headed by Ken Schulson, the Buy Here Pay Here Trade Association. What what else uh, strategically are you doing to grow the partnership of of the DBA this year? Well, Ken has been great. We appreciate that partnership. We we have an initiative as part of our strategic plan to respond to this very important member need, and that's to address the marketplace. I mean, we realize that our members need us to provide opportunities for them to participate in the market in new channels, new areas for buying. And so we have uh, at the conference this year and actually over the past several years as we've built through the, um, the steps of our strategic plan, expanded our partnerships mm-hmm. with not only the you know the uh, the auto lenders groups but online lending and a non-traditional mm-hmm. uh, lending markets to bring them to um, our members and we're participating in their conferences and offering them opportunities to participate in our conference mm-hmm. we're getting our members to interact and become members of those associations and we know that our members are participating so it's it's really been quite successful and we're looking to expand that uh, throughout the coming years uh, as the association continues Continues its activities in that area. Okay, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, will these partnerships then continue to be kind of a wave of the future? Will you be doing, you know, cross accreditation more and more with these nonprofit organizations? Or I guess I shouldn't say nonprofit. I think NABD is actually for profit, but well. Trade associations, industry associations like that are such a great fit for us. Uh-huh. And absolutely, yes. I mean, any opportunity we have, you know, whether it's doing a partnership program with them, whether it's looking at shared conference opportunities, mm-hmm. whether it's member benefits that we might be able to offer to mm-hmm. members jointly, there's no shortage of ideas. So um, we actually have committees um, and we look for members to participate on those committees to get those uh, activities in um, in action. So anyone out there that has ideas in this regard or has those contacts, okay. um, help us out. So what, uh, now I guess your inauguration is coming up this week at the end of uh, DBA when K Drive first, I guess, turns over the reins the organization to you. What are your top, you know, two or three goals for DBA and how will you measure yourself against those goals? Thank you. We, we, we certainly want to continue to see our members become certified. We okay. have a very important deadline coming up on March 1st. Mm-hmm. And we set that as part of the original certification program when it was initially launched to have an opportunity for our members to have a couple of years to go through uh, and meet all the standards and go through the application process. And I'm very pleased to tell you that most of our members are certified or are becoming certified Mm -hmm. um, after that deadline, um, unless it's a brand new member that hasn't had a chance to develop the certification credentials yet. um, We may not be able to give a a, a prospective member membership Mm -hmm. um, because they haven't become certified by that date. Okay. And we also have many of our members becoming certified. Okay. And so we know during this past year, uh, the first two-year period has Mm -hmm. expired and companies have had to go through an independent third-party audit 
as part of that certification program. So we hope to continue to have our members become recertified, um, new members coming in to become certified, and also to have the expansion to the collection agencies and law firms, as I discussed. The certification itself has been widely accepted mm -hmm. among the regulators, among issuers as the gold standard. Okay. Um, we have seen it not only in RFPs, but mm -hmm. I've also seen it in contractual requirements. So mm -hmm. being a member of the association, but having the certification as well. So it's a very important tool for our members to use to okay. advance their position of compliance uh -huh. with potential sellers. Um, it's also a strength for them to be able to respond whenever they are in um, the audit process with a regulator or with a client. Have you got any feedback from any of the regulatory bodies in the government uh, as to the importance or impact of this DBA certification? We have. Um, I think they're watching a bit. Okay. Um, initially, we included them in the development process, and they're part of the conversation. Some of the standards are written because we had federal regulators right. ask for certain language in the standards, and so they can see okay. the power of their impact in the standards themselves. Okay. They wanted to see that independent third-party audit process mm -hmm. so that they had a check and balance mm -hmm. piece of it, um, and that is underway with the recertification. And then um, finally, they're, they're waiting to see if the impact is, is that they're able to use right. um, the certified status in a way in which to uh, separate um, appropriate debt buying activity from right. inappropriate debt buying and, gotcha. and collections activity. Um, we know that uh, several federal regulators have commended the program right. publicly, and right. we're very pleased to do that, mm -hmm. uh, to see that. And um, our expectation is to continue to have that type of a reception and a response as we work very closely with them. Right, right. Um, you know, I've had the uh, privilege and opportunity to, to see you in action during uh, some adverse times and circumstances, uh, certainly with Collins Financial five, six years ago. Now I'm watching you, you know, transition into a very important role in our industry at a time when, you know, the supply of debt is pretty tight. Compliance couldn't get any more strict. Um, so I've watched you uh, in some professionally challenging times and circumstances. And I know that personally, um, you've just come out of a very difficult year. Uh, you're a cancer survivor now, and you got through it beautifully. Um, you know, you told our listeners that your lessons learned professionally in uh, times of adversity is to communicate, 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 have respect for the individual, listen carefully, those were lessons from uh, in a professional environment. How about in a personal set of circumstances that just had to be extremely difficult? How, what have you learned from that? How did you get through this last year? And you look fantastic, by the way. You'd never, ever know. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for your individual support. And I have to thank um, first my, my family, friends, and my company um, who've been completely supportive throughout this whole process and afforded me the opportunity to continue to have a career, mm -hmm. um, which in many ways has been part of the healing process. But uh, I was uh, diagnosed a little over a year ago with a stage four ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been through a treatment which involved chemo mm -hmm. and a, a very extensive surgical procedure. Mm -hmm. In fact, Exactly one year ago today, Michael. Oh, wow. I was on oh. the operating table yeah. for most of the day. And what I learned in that process from the initial diagnosis after two weeks of about, uh, about two weeks of shock uh, uh -huh. to get over it 
is I, I sought second and third opinions at the MD right. Anderson Cancer Center and right. the Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, and mm-hmm. I saw the experts in the field, mm-hmm. and they all agreed with the original oncologist I saw on my diagnosis and my course of treatment. Mm-hmm. And what was recommended to me by the surgeon was a certain course of chemo and a, a mm-hmm. certain surgical procedure that was going to be minimally invasive. Mm-hmm. And that was one alternative. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, what's the other alternative? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, we can be really aggressive and we can give you this really aggressive chemo and we can can do this aggressive surgical procedure, but it's going to be really difficult to recover from. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that you want to have all of that um, long recovery period. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that you want to have that pain and discomfort. Mm -hmm. And it was through that process that I learned this. You absolutely, in challenging situations, have to be an advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that even in situations like that, where you're faced with such a serious life-threatening diagnosis and you feel that you have no control, Mm -hmm. you absolutely have choice. Mm -hmm. And so I considered, I weighed the positives and the negatives. I thought about what the risks would be. I considered the cost of compliance. And, and, you know, not to get, you know, too, too cheeky with that, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it is in a way, a, a way in which you really do have to evaluate what it is that, mm-hmm. that, that you want to be able to, to do with the choices that you make. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, I considered the risks of the more aggressive approach, mm-hmm. and I told the surgeon, I'm in control of the choices that I'm making about uh, mm-hmm. my healthcare decisions mm-hmm. and I'm ready to go for the most aggressive approach. Mm-hmm. And so I've been through that um, wow. and successfully. And I tell you, there are many of many of me out there. I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. I feel blessed and lucky to have survived that experience. Mm-hmm. But when faced with challenges like that, mm-hmm. get as much information as you can and mm-hmm. know that even though you feel like things are happening right. to you and you right. don't have any control over them, right. take a breath. Yep. You have choices that you can make. There are options. Right. Wow. That's awesome. So the lesson is you don't have control necessarily over your future, but you have control over the choices you make in that future. And you consulted with experts um, and you made a bold step to go with the most aggressive solution that your doctor's offered. So again, we like to try to draw connections here between personal and professional. Now, as you step into the the new leadership role of DBA, you know, you, you said you're an advocate for yourself in, in, you know, embracing this very aggressive, uh, solution to ovarian cancer. Um, are there opportunities for you as president of DBA to become an advocate, uh, a courageous advocate for DBA at a time when its very being and its uh, mission <laughs> is being questioned uh, by many as, you know, is this still relevant? Are we going to have a debt buying industry going forward? So Trish, what final kind of uh, comments can you give our listeners here this afternoon in Las Vegas as we kind of celebrate another year of uh, DBA International. What kinds of things can you tell our listeners about um, how to face, you know, kind of the adversity that our whole industry is doing right now? Well, certainly, you know, with regulation, 
with the constraint uh, in the marketplace regarding just selling and available inventory, um, it is scary. Mm-hmm. And like a diagnosis like I had, you know, there, there is opportunity for fear. But fear plus courage is action. Mm-hmm. And I would um, encourage all of our members mm-hmm. to embrace embrace that um, sense that, yes, these are still troubling times in that mm-hmm. we have um, continued regulation. But I think there's opportunity. Mm-hmm. We, we are expecting the rulemaking for the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act to give us information that we need. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of the issue that we have now is we have regulation through enforcement actions and individual players don't know how to Mm -hmm. act because they don't have notice. Mm -hmm. Um, We're finding out after the fact in very limited factual situations about Mm -hmm. this company's activities and that company's activities and what is being approved actions Mm -hmm. and and approved behavior and what is not. And therefore, we don't have a standard or baseline or rule in place. And I think to the extent that those rules are developed and issued quickly, um, it will mean that the industry will be able to act accordingly. Mm-hmm. And I know as a leader of this association, mm-hmm. I am going to ensure that we continue to have a seat at that table to shape those rules. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say to our membership is that, uh, you know, on an individual basis, as you look at your company, you look at the work that you put in every day, you look at your staff, understand that you do have choices that you can make. You can be compliant. You can advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. to participate in this market. And we are expecting to continue to expand our partnerships in the new marketplace Mm -hmm. areas. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage the members to uh, continue to not only follow us, but join us on uh, our search for additional opportunities to bring product into the market. Mm -hmm. And we still have members of the market that have continued to participate and we're supporting them. Um, I have to mention that I know that there are many uh, issuers and lenders who have stayed in the marketplace and have continued to support and be sellers to our members and allow our members to be um, actively participating. And I would like to, again, uh, thank them and commend them for mm-hmm. participating. And I would ask uh, their colleagues to look across the aisle and say, you mm-hmm. know, what, what are they doing that they can continue to operate? And is there a way for us to similarly continue to participate in the market or get back in the market? Through our board leadership and our committee structure and support of our members, um, I feel that we'll be able to lead the organization to in in making sure that appropriate regulation is there for our industry and that the marketplace is there as well. Wow. Well, I, for one, am very confident that uh, you're the right woman at the right time, at the right place to be ascending to the uh, presidency of DBA, you know, a year after making a very tough, courageous uh, decision for yourself uh, and I'm I'm thrilled that you're going to be bringing that uh, courageous advocacy uh, that you had for your own situation to now the head of our uh, one of the top trade associations in our industry, and you're going to do it with some of those same lessons you learned when I first met you at Collins Financial. You had respect for the individual constituencies. You were an awesome communicator. You were uh, steady. Uh, emotion, uh, unemotional leader, although I know you've got deep emotions and deep passions about your vision for the future of DBA. So thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Trish, and good luck uh, next year as our new president of Debt Buyers Association. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael.